It's fantastic to be here for part three of the um, message and series on, uh, was it relationships? What's love got to do with it? And we're looking today at the environment of love, so that's why I brought my love back. (laughs) And uh, we're going to be sharing some principles um, that I'm learning, and hopefully we're all learning, and oh my God, it's a full house today. Fantastic. Amen. Let's go. Um, So last week, I kind of began with some reflections on um, what it is to lay the right foundation in a relationship and how to build and establish your relationship the right way. Um, I spoke a little bit about God's purpose in marriage and then some of the realms of relationship, they being spiritual, emotional, emotional, intellectual, and physical. And you could split that into spiritual, soul, and physical if you wanted to simplify it. A little bit. And I put up a couple of diagrams. There were kind of two pyramids. One was a worldly perspective where we build from the, the foundation of a physical relationship and then move on to emotional, then on to uh, intellectual and, and, and spiritual as a question mark. And there was another pyramid with a foundation of spirituality, but then built on top of that emotional, intellectual, with physical being the peak of the development of that relationship and moving into marriage. And as we move into that context of marriage, well, of course, you want to see all of that, those aspects of your relationship become more rounded. So it's not just a small portion being physical as part of the relationship, but rather physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual intimacy being the key to the building of a good relationship, a whole relationship. And so if you were just a little bit confused by that, that's a point of clarification for you, that once you've moved into that committed relationship, you're seeking to develop a wholly rounded relationship. The intention of that diagram was to leave you with an emphasis on your approach to relationship, that perhaps you'd start to think about how to bring in more of the spiritual aspect into your relationship. And really, that begins in Christian principle. Unconditional love, forgiveness, um, good communication, hearing what's being said and saying the right thing yourself, and really learning how to operate in the freedom that Christ has given you and beginning to manage yourself in your own identity and then in the relationship that God has given to you. Um, So let's begin with a word of prayer and then we'll carry on with the message. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being here today in your presence, Lord. And Lord, we ask, Father, that you'd really begin to speak to our hearts. Lord, this message being specifically tailored and geared towards the men. But Lord Jesus, that we would receive everything that you have for us today, Lord. Lord, that our hearts would be open, that we'd begin to understand perhaps where we've gone wrong in the past and move forward into more progressive and Christ-like relationships, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask for your anointing. Lord, we need to hear from your spirit today, most of all, because we know that the witness of your spirit to us brings forth life in us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've noticed this, but so far in the last couple of messages, I've been focusing very much on practical elements of relationship, practical ways to build your relationship. And knowing you're ready based on your genuine thought-through consideration. Am I in a position where I am able to manage me? Am I in a position where I'm able to take responsibility for me? That's things like, do you blame other people when things go wrong? Is the situation always against you? Does God never want to bless you? Perhaps there's some ownership that you need to take of the situations that you found yourself in, the problems that you've got yourself into. And so the first question, can I take responsibility for the freedom that God has given me? 
Can I begin to walk according to Christ's principles? And then on from there, do I have a foundation on which to build a relationship? Am I employed? Do I have a stable place to live? You know, is there a point in me starting a relationship today when the person's going to be moving abroad forever tomorrow? Some practical considerations. And the reason I've done that is so that when things begin to happen in your life, you can align what's happening and know, listen, actually I'm ready and I'm ready to move forward. But coupled with that is this idea that we have to hear the voice of the Lord. And I really just want to make this point very strongly to you. I'm not saying that we only focus on practical issues. At the same time, we need to listen to the voice of the Lord, our loving Father. Because the issue is this, that our Father who is in heaven actually probably has an opinion on who we should be marrying. Have you ever thought about that? He's probably been planning it for just a, a few years, maybe before you were even born, maybe even before this creation was made. He was planning you and your wedding day. And I wonder, have you stopped to ask him? Because some people, they just never stop to ask God. Other people, they spend so long and so much time thinking about that specific person that they don't give God a chance to say no. Some ask the Lord and know that he's saying no, but they carry on anyway. And if we were to be a little bit obedient, we'd actually save a whole lot of heartache. Because when it comes to relationships, we can be incredibly driven by our own desires. And when we allow our own desires to rule and reign us, they bring forth certain fruit. The first is disobedience, which we pretend to call faith. You know what? I'm just really really believing God. I'm just fighting every obstacle that's coming up right now because I know that this person's the one. And the obstacle is that they're living on the other side of the world. The obstacle is that they're married to somebody else. The obstacle is that you have emotional issues which need to be worked out, which that person is not willing to stand with you in. Oh, but I'm just believing God. The next fruit is this, that we walk in sin and we claim grace. You know, my my dad in heaven knows that we're going to get married one day, so he's perfectly fine with us entering into a premarital sexual relationship. It's okay that we're sinning because he knows one day we're going to get married. God's word on purity is to everyone because he wants you to enjoy marriage when you get there. The third fruit that would come forth is this, that we walk in control and submission. We make people do what we want by the way we behave. If they don't behave like we would like them to behave, we get emotional, we start freaking out, we get angry, we start trying to control that situation. And you know what we call that? Headship. When we begin to move out of our own desires, we bring forth fruit that brings destruction. The, problem, the other side of the issue is this, that some are so tied up in hearing the, hearing the Lord on whether he wants them to be into, in a relationship that they never ask somebody out because they haven't yet heard, is this the one? They don't want to make a mistake. And so it is a little bit of a minefield. It is a little bit difficult. And we do genuinely need to sit before the Lord and ask him and ask for wisdom. And some of the best ways to understand whether you're being motivated by your own desires or by uh, God's agreement with your desires is to ask the people that are in leadership in your life, your cell leaders, people who are praying for you, people who care for you, people who desire the best for you. And the reason for that is they can provide a perspective that perhaps you're not seeing in your own situation right now. 
You know, when I was thinking about um, a relationship, I used to talk to my very good friends and say, listen, I, I'm not sure if I'm hearing God. Do you think I'm ready in this area? This is still a bit of an issue. You know, my, my schedule is way too busy. I don't really have time to build in a relationship at the moment. What do you think? And I was getting feedback and, and discussing things because I wanted to make sure that when I asked, it would be the right time to proceed. And that's somebody who you respect in leadership, somebody who you know is going to tell you the truth. Not your best friend who's sitting there saying, doesn't he know what he's missing? Girl, you are far too fine to be, for, him to be chasing around after, for him not to be chasing around after you. And you definitely, definitely, look, I know he never talks to you. I know he never even looks at you, but you've got a standing chance. Why would we listen to people who tell us what we need, want to hear instead of telling us what we need to hear? So this whole issue, asking God, central, but do so with wisdom. I threw in a, a thought just there, a fruit that comes out of our own selfish desires. And I want to use that to begin to unpack some of today's message on building an environment of love. And men, I'm going to say this from the start, that you are responsible for building an environment of love. So are there any men here today? Okay, that was a, that was a good warm-up. Are there any men here today? Yeah. Woo! That's them youth over there, them youth. <laughs> ladies, you're here, of course, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, that was the quietest ladies ever that I've heard. Are you here today, ladies? Yeah. And the men, of course, you're hearing the voice of the ladies. And ladies, do you like love? Yeah. Are you sure? Does love bring a smile to your face? Yes. Does love make you happy? Yes. Does love make you flourish and grow? Yes. Are we kind of losing and losing it? <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. And <laughs> the fruit that I spoke about is when we walk in control and submission and, and call it headship. And there's a, a correct order of responsibility described in Scripture um, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3 for you today, which really describes something of the way that God expects responsibility, how God expects to, responsibility to work in the context of relationships. So Kofi has a PowerPoint up there for us again today. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So, made simpler, we have the Father, the Son is in submission to the Father, the Spirit-filled husband or man is in submission to the Son, and the wife and Spirit-filled woman is in submission to the husband. Now, I'm going to explain what I mean by submission, and I'm also going to explain this from the start. That this is about a flow of responsibility. Women, you have your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Men, you have your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. This is not to say that women have to have their relationship with the Lord Jesus through their husband. Okay? This is concerning the roles of responsibility that the Lord has delegated. When we talk about submission, we talk about agreement with the will of one greater. And we can consider it in two ways. You can consider it in the context of the world where the one greater is the most powerful in an aggressive, fear-centered, fear-mongering way. Or we can consider submission in the context of the Father, 
who is love, who desires the best for us, who wants his will to be accomplished in our life because he knows his will will make us the most joyful, fulfill us the most, bring us to be the person that we're called to be the most. And so in God's kingdom order, there is an order that is different to creation order. And it's this that is called to flow into relationships. And you might well be here single today. You might also be married here today. But this is some important stuff for us all to get a hold of. And so if you move on to slide one, uh, the next slide, Kofi, there's, there's a situation here which is about disorder in relationships. Next slide, please, guys. This is about disorder in relationships. This is a situation where you have the father, the son, awesome, I've lost it. Okay, this is the situation, we all know this situation very well, it's unfortunately very prevalent in the society in which we live, is that there's a lot of female Christians, and female wonderful Christians who love God, who serve God, pursuing God passionately, and there has been a deficiency of men. And so there is, in many relationships that I know about, a, a married couple where the woman is a Christian and the man is not. And so that woman has a, the wife has a direct connection to Jesus. She has a personal relationship with the Lord. And she knows that that is driving uh, her worldview, her values, her decisions, that she wants to do everything to honor God. And the husband doesn't. And she's on her knees daily, seeking God. What, how is this guy going to turn around? God, I want him to become a Christian. God, I really want a strong spiritual head in the home. You know, I really want to be in line with your, your perfect order. But there's disorder here. You see how it's different to the other situation. The wife is in direct relationship with the son, and the husband is somehow loosely attached to the Godhead through his wife who is seeking God. And what you begin to see in that sort of a situation is a, a disengaged husband. The guy who gets dragged to church and made to sit next to his wife or his girlfriend and just basically looks around and, you know, she looks kind of nice over there. She looks, you know, and he's, he's in the world. He's thinking about other things. He's thinking about the things of man. Um, and she's equally sitting there frustrated out of her skin. You know, I want a good Christian husband, and this guy, you can just see all over his face that he's not interested. So how is it that we begin to restore the husband to the correct role of, of being in relationship with Jesus so that he can take his place, uh, take his rightful place in the context of the relationship? And in Scripture, it speaks very clearly about some of these things. Rather than... Um, demanding that he fix up and become a spiritual head, what about serving him and honoring him so such that through your behavior he might be saved? And really, this is, the, this is an example that many of you will know about. See, ladies, don't worry about what, what happens if I start to serve? What happens if I start to do what it says in Scripture and he doesn't respond? Well, he's responsible before God for his behavior. He's going to have to answer to God on that day. It's not, no point you taking on that responsibility for him. He's going to have to do it. So simply respond to what the Lord speaks about in his word. There's a second scenario that um, we might consider. Next slide, please, guys, up there. A second scenario would be this, where there is the uh, relationship of husband and wife, 
and the husband is not in right relationship with the Lord. That's not even to say that he's a non-Christian. He might well be sitting here listening to the sermon today. He's probably in church every Sunday. He's probably here dressed up in his finest suit, nodding along, amen, hallelujah, I hear you, brother, you know, fantastic. But the problem is when he goes home, the things that come out of his mouth reflect that he's not heard a word. His behavior, physically aggressive, angry, domineering, fear-inducing, controlling. Instead of hearing what his wife has to say, speaking words of death to her, instead of encouraging and listening and loving, refusing, withholding, being controlling. And that kind of a man will sit there and say, you're a woman, you need to submit to me. Otherwise, there's going to be trouble. See, that kind of a guy who sits in church every Sunday is worse than the non-Christian couple who are trying their best to build a loving relationship. Because every single Sunday he's hearing the word of truth on a regular basis. But his heart is hardened. I need to keep discipline and order in my house because I am the man. I'm not having no woman run around being free with her spirituality. She needs to listen to what I'm saying. Who is she to give me a word? And who is she to say that she thinks God is saying? I am the man. I should be hearing from God first. You're right. You should be hearing from God first, and you're not. Why not? Maybe there's a hard issue that you need to begin to really deal with. Have you got that connection to the Father? You see, because a wife who is seeking to honor, a wife who is seeking to be in right relationship to her husband can easily take a step into the wrong realm when their husband is not operating in the call of God upon his life. See, what happens here is you end up with abusive relationships. You end up with women who, because of a desire to please Jesus, stay with an abusive husband. Physically abusive, emotionally abusive, and they're positioning themselves with the right heart, I want to serve God. But because of the failure of the man to take his correct responsibility, they're put in a position where they are compromised. And sometimes if you're in those situations, you need to get wisdom on how to get out of those situations. Talk to the pastoral team in the, here in the church. Talk to your cell leader. Don't suffer in silence, please. There is a correct order of responsibility. If we can move on to the next slide, please. And I want you to think about what I'm saying, not just here today, but also when you go home and have a little think about how this is going to affect your life in the coming weeks. If you are responsible for managing you and the freedom that God has given you, are you also going to bring that into the relationship that you're building? Because you are responsible for taking your role within the relationship. The correct order is father, son, spirit-filled husband, spirit-filled wife. Now, I'm not laying all of this groundwork to establish that women need to be in submission to their husbands in a controlling situation. I'm sure you've heard me very clear that there's a correct order, and I'm going to begin to bring out what that means. Because, men, you are responsible for this bit. On this whole husband piece here, this little bit here, spirit-filled, that is your responsibility. That is the call of God upon your life, 
to be a man filled with the Spirit of God. You are responsible in order for the success of your marriage to get there. To get to that place of walking with the Lord, being filled with the Spirit daily. That means you need to ensure that you're connected to Christ. It means that you need to ensure that you're not just hearing principles here today, but that you are walking in the power and dynamic relationship that Jesus has available for you. You see, you can't apply principles separate from the one who gives the power to live those principles. So if you know right now, when I start talking about spirit-filled, I don't even know what that means. Well, let me tell you, you need to get on an encounter and meet with God. The next one is on October. Get away and meet with God. Get filled with the Spirit. Come back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you try to do it any other way, you will fail. Your relationship with God must be vibrant, daily, strong, by default. You know, you're always going to have challenges. You're always going to have seasons where you're going to have to lean on one another, maybe lean on her. But the prevailing wind or your orientation is that you would always have a vital connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. To understand that through you and the environment that you bring releases your wife or your girlfriend to step into her calling to connect with Jesus herself. Men, you are called to provide that spiritual environment. And the environment I'm talking to you of is the environment of love. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And hearing that word love, guys, you're probably tempted to zone out. Probably tempted to, well, you know, he, he told us that he was going to talk to the men, but, you know, really now he's talking to the ladies. But this is where you need to really bring in your focus, your attention more than ever before. Because, fellas, we've been sold the biggest lie ever. You open the magazines, you watch sitcoms, you watch romantic comedies, and are taught and trained that love belongs in the realm of the woman. That somehow love is almost a sign of weakness, an emotional fuzzy feeling like we get when we see a big juicy steak. <laughs> love is not a feeling. Now there are feelings which you will feel when you're in love, sure. Elated, excited, safe, but love doesn't belong in a discussion in the realm of feelings. It is a heart disposition, it is a decision on your part which drives your actions. It is an overwhelming passion for the good of another that causes you to make tough decisions. It doesn't change like the situation does. It sees the truth and loves anyway, even if it costs you everything. Jesus himself demonstrates love when he says, in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, love is a very powerful force. Love overthrows empires. Love heals broken families. Love causes men and women to do things for others, for the good of others, which others would shy away from, even to the point of laying down your own life. 
Love brings transformation wherever it's exhibited. From the giving of a, of a cup of cold water to an orphan, through to the commitment to care for a loved one daily who has a sickness, a disease which prevents them from doing so themselves. Love is greater than hope. Now we know that hope caused men and women to endure concentration camps, the horror of men. Love is greater than faith, faith which can move mountains. Love does this and all of these things because God himself is love. Love epitomizes, defines, and is demonstrated by God. And he gives us the ability to love. Amen. This is for you. You, man of God, are most powerful, therefore, when you love. You are responsible for receiving God's love and releasing it into the environment, walking in the power of God, walking in the love of God, wherever you go. John 15 verse 12 says this, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than this that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Now I know you, like me, struggle with this verse. Because hearing Jesus say that, and sometimes stir up a little bit of guilt in us. We don't know whether we actually are friends of Jesus because we don't know whether we've loved him well enough or not. You see, Jesus wasn't telling us to do something that we have no power to do ourselves. He was showing us how to live empowered. He was showing us how to live like we are created to live. How in each of us, because the Holy Spirit is in us, we have the power to love each other and so demonstrate Christ wherever we go. That's how they shall know that we are his disciples when we walk in the love that he has given to us. And if we're walking in love, if we're walking in our relationships in Christ-like love, you will release that into your environment. So you can tell by looking at a wife what her husband is doing with the Lord. She is depressed, long-faced, struggling, weak, not stepping out into new areas. It's because her man is not meeting with the Lord and providing the right environment. Now guys, that is your responsibility. See, it's not about control, you must do this. But it's about freedom. It's about walking in who Christ has made us to be and trusting one another. You know, I had someone recently say, email me saying, Gabriel, we're not even married, why are you talking about relationships? Good thing they were single themselves, had been for a while. I'm here because I know that the Lord is teaching me things and I'm implementing things myself to edify the body of Jesus Christ. And I'm building my relationship for marriage. So I know that something about the principles that I'm talking about. Guys, think about this. Your marriage, your relationship is actually the central place where you should be practicing discipleship. It is the key discipleship arena. Have you ever thought of that? 
oh, but I don't even know how to make a disciple. Well, you're in the right place. Because here in Kensington Temple, we facilitate you making disciples all the time. Can I tell you guys, actually, if you're single here today, you, you want to get married, you genuinely want to get married, the best advice I can give you is go to Living Free, go to Mastering Leadership, and train to be a cell leader. Why? Because when you're trained, we will give you guys to start to look after. And you see what happens is you have to lead men. And when you're leading men, you have to learn what discipleship is because guys do not follow somebody who don't know where they're going. You will have to learn how to identify in other guys opportunities for them to grow. You see, one of the most challenging things for me is to stay ahead of the curve with the 300. Are there any 300 men here? Yes. It's been a while. But you see, if I don't provide opportunities for these guys to grow, they're going to be like, well, whatever. I, you know, this guy is too busy. I'm just going to go off somewhere else and I'm going to do my own thing because NKT, don't, they don't let you grow. So I have to make sure that I'm providing opportunities for these guys to grow. So you see Max up here quite regularly and you see other guys taking up new positions within the team. You have to learn how to help guys release their dreams, step into who they're called to be. See, there's nothing more soul-destroying than a disempowered guy who's sitting there like... Not, I can't even achieve my dreams, you know, I don't even know where I'm going. You have to help people release into their dreams. And you have to do all of that, think about this, without being able to control them. Because if you try to control them, they're sure as heaven going to knock you out. If you saw some of my 12, you'd know what I'm talking about. I mean, look at big Isaac over there. He's, <laughs> if I tried to do, tell Isaac what he had to do, he would... You know, he'd probably go make me do pull-ups and tell me that I wasn't doing well enough. But you see, if you have to learn how to do all of those things, then you'll learn how to be a leader in your home. How to provide an environment where your wife feels safe walking after you. How to encourage growth opportunities. How for her to step into her dreams. And you know what's so great about it? Is that you get all the benefits when you start to do things the right way. But if you've been building wrong, you've got a whole mess that you're going to have to clear up. Discipleship is key to progressing your relationship. One of the great privileges for me was with Rebecca that I was able to baptize her, pray for her to receive the Spirit as part of her walk with the Lord long before we began dating, just because of the context of what I was doing here in the church. So men, there's three things that I want to cover for you today that you're called to do in establishing the environment of love. I'm talking about love and not lust. See, lust, if you're thinking in the context of your relationship, you might want to be honest with yourself, you might not want to be honest with yourself here today, so I'm going to say this to the guys who want to be honest with themselves. If you have a problem with lust, you need to deal with it, because marriage is not going to take it away. You need to get on your knees before God, and you need to sort yourself out in that area so that you bring the right strength to your relationship. But the problem with lust is it imagines perfection and is never satisfied because it never finds perfection. And lust can lead to anger, to searching elsewhere, to disengagement. You know, if you're just giving me way too much hassle, you know, this woman over here on the internet, she just smiles. You're giving me hassle. Search elsewhere. Start to disengage from the relationship. Start to withdraw your love from the relationship. You see, because you're seeking things that your partner cannot give. She is not perfect. 
Love recognizes imperfection, but chooses to love anyway, and bears fruit and brings satisfaction to that relationship. The default position of unconditional love causes you to lean in instead of disengaging when things get tough. Baby, whatever's going on, I love you. Should be your first response, not sort yourself out. Come back to me when you've fixed up. You know what? I, I might not understand why this is going on for you, but I'm here for you. And sometimes, you know, I, I might forget in the way that I'm behaving, but you know that I love you, and I want the best for you. There's a difference between lust and love. Servant leadership, part two. Hey guys, sorry, click on to the next slide. Servant leadership is the next one. In that verse that I read earlier on, it says that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for the church. Men, you're called to do the same for your wife or for your girlfriend as you're building towards marriage. See, many define help meet as the role of a woman, and you have women running around saying, you know, I desire to be someone's help me, and that is true and it's fantastic, but guys somehow interpret that as, I get to tell her to do what I want her to do. Hallelujah. Woman, washing up. Woman, have you picked up the kids? Woman, have you gone shopping? Woman, have you done this? Woman, have you done that? Great servant leadership, fellas. You're modeling it real good. See, the role of a servant is to look for opportunities to bless your girlfriend or wife by serving her. Fellas, if you've got a girlfriend, cook for her often. And at least offer to help with the washing up afterwards. <laughs> Why don't you call ahead? Hey, you know, can I get anything for you from the shop as, I, as I'm coming over? Stay up late into the night writing love letters. <laughs> Hallelujah. I felt the anointing on that one. Keep back the best of you from work. You know, some people, some men, give themselves wholly to their job, so much so that they come home and they're like, keep back the best for your wife, your girlfriend. Make sure you're not tired and rough, but rested and loving. And I guarantee you that when you start to serve and model service in your relationship, you're going to reap Great benefits. Ah, but I'm supposed to be the head. What are you talking about? Look at Jesus' way when he washed feet. Humble yourself just a little bit if you're struggling with what I'm talking about. Second thing is intentionality. Jesus gave himself in the building of his relationship with the church. He laid down his life for the church. In the building of your relationship, there must be an increased giving. Fellas, you got it all wrong if all you want to do is take, take, take without giving love security, an environment to grow in, taking things in the right direction. If you've lost sight of whether you love your girl or not, and therefore you're wondering if you could spend the rest of your life with her, you've stopped giving. You need to let her know about your commitment. None of this like four or five dates and, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I won't text you for three weeks, then I'll text you again because I haven't had any other dates and so maybe you're the best one and I'll just come back to you on that one. And... You know, well, we've been dating for you know, three or four years. I'm just not ready to settle down yet. I've just got three or four more years of study and, and dreaming and traveling the world to do. And Yeah, yeah, then I'll, then I'll let you know where we're going to go. So just hang on. Just put your life on pause while I figure my life out. You need to be intentional. Are you building a relationship 
are you taking the mick out of somebody? Because you're not respecting somebody if you are not being intentional with where you're leading them. Never leave your woman guessing so that she doesn't know where she stands. So ladies, this should also be why you should never have to chase a guy or pretend that something is there when it is not there. Giving more of yourself than you should without the proper security, taking responsibility that's not yours to take. He needs to figure out where he is and action it or be respectful and bring the relationship to an appropriate close. She needs to know when she's on a date. She needs to know when she's your girlfriend. She needs to know when you're going to marry her. She needs to know that you're going to get engaged. You need to be intentional. Sacrificial, give yourself for her, not the other way around. You're responsible for the tone of the relationship. You will need to endure things that you feel you might not have to in order to receive what God has for you the best out of that relationship. This final one, it's important. Can I take another couple of minutes, please? Thank you. I'm going to anyway. <laughs> it's this beautiful point. Cleansing and nourishing. And this, guys, might be what sells you on the whole deal. That's why I want to take some more time with this. Is because we aren't perfect, both men and women. I mean, that might shock you, ladies, because we actually know we aren't perfect, but some of you sometimes pretend that you are. <laughs> we don't come out of the box ready-made perfect for each other and get into sterile, perfectionist relationships where we don't want to engage with each other because we might sully the perfection of the other. That's not how we come. We arrive as people that have had brokenness, hurt, pain, previous relationships, learned behaviors, and we're trying to do relationship. Now, hopefully, there's been significant growth in your relationship with Christ, but there are still going to be things that you need to deal with and walk through as you develop intimacy. And let me tell you, there's actually nothing better than developing intimacy through walking through the challenges of life. I used to have this crazy idea that I was going to meet the perfect woman who was already a, a leader in the church and doing amazing stuff, and I threw that idea away with great joy and found an amazing, amazing lady for myself. And you guys, don't worry. Don't worry. One day I'll introduce you to her, okay? So um, you're coming together through those diff difficult situations. See, we're not going to look at the topic of a nagging wife because we've already done that. See, guys, if you are spirit-filled, walking with the Lord, you're practicing servant leadership, when she comes to nag you, Gabriel, have you done the washing? Yep, washing up's done. Kids being picked up. Bed's been made. Laundry's in. Why don't you come and enjoy some quality time with me while I enjoy this nice cold beer. <laughs> Dealt with. What about jealousy, though? Maybe your girlfriend's been betrayed by men in the past, and you're not that kind of a guy. You know you're not that kind of a guy, and it's not fair that she's bringing you into the same category as all the guys who've been betrayers before. And it's true, it's not right. But she's not doing it intentionally. That's a learned behavior. It's something that she's struggling with, and you have two ways of dealing with it. One is you withhold love. Why are you always like this? You know that I'm different. I don't want to talk with you about this. You know, I don't even want to talk about your past. Go away and leave me alone, and when you stop being a nag and stop trying to control me, then you can come back to me. And you close off a part of your heart. Or you bring the power of love to change the situation. 
not so that you put up with jealousy, but you deal with the root. You see, the problem with that lady is she probably needs to know that God is never going to leave her nor forsake her. And the kind of man that you are, a spirit-filled man, neither will you do the same. That's what this passage is talking about. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself as his wife. If you fellas want a happy, vibrant, full of life, flourishing, growing wife or girlfriend, moving out of jealousy into trust, moving out of selfishness into service, growing out of bitterness and mistrust to being a warm, trusting, loving lady, which is what we all want, fellas. The call upon your life is to build an environment of love. Father, thank you for this time together. And as we begin to bring this session to a close, I ask, Father, that you just begin to minister to the men today on that need for a passionate relationship with you. Lord, that they would be bringing to their environment, to their relationships, the power of Jesus Christ who gave his life upon the cross for us. Love, unconditional love. Father, I thank you that you'd witness to the men, Father, that they are most powerful when they love. That they are most powerful when they begin to move with you and your purpose and your plan. And Lord, I thank you for restoration in relationships. That as men begin to catch this revelation, that they would keep fighting for their woman. To see that relationship built and restored and all of the mess cleared up and them going forward together. And the guys that are single, that as they begin to mature in their leadership and taking on the responsibility of discipleship, that they would become men that you can trust with the wife that you prepared for them. And Lord, that we would see corporately this raising up of a, a uh, generation of men and women walking in powerful Christian marriage for your glory. In Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if we've got any time for questions. And if you want to ask questions... Dominic wants to ask a question. We've got real, just take one question from Dominic. Oh, there's no sound guy. Glory. Tell me. Okay, what if you genuinely have plans for three or four years? Should you get into a relationship and would it work? Good question. Thank you, Dominic. Now, if you have genuine plans, you know, see, because life can change in three or four years. Three or four years ago, I wasn't going to be a pastor. And so three or four years later, I'm here. So life can definitely change. We do need to be intentional. But the question you've got to ask yourself is that question that I was speaking about before. Are you taking responsibility for you? And are you able to release love into your environment? If you can do those two things, honestly, then I would say yes. And you can test that by are you walking in discipleship, etc., etc. Okay? Any other questions, or should we? Oh, there's no microphone. Where's the sound guy? I'm sorry. Can you ask me afterwards? Oh, just loud. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
Okay. Can I stop you? She's asking the question. She's a, she's a Christian lady been serving here since 2004. Her husband's not in church. We're going to cover that next week because we're covering very much the message for the ladies. Can I include that in next week? Um, okay. Is there any other questions? don't think there are any other questions. Who did that? Who did that? You jokers. You guys up there in the gallery are jokers. See, it's too late because I already asked a very special lady that question yesterday. Why don't you come and... Now, this is Rebecca, my fiance. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today. We're going to carry on this series next week. Uh, five o'clock, we've got uh, Sermon on the Mount, and seven o'clock, we've got the Holy Spirit service. Thank you so much, guys. You've been amazing. Great to see you. See you all very soon.